Hey everybody, it's Craig. Welcome to the abbreviated version of the Legendarium podcast. Uh, today, a bunch of Warcraft reviews. But first, a little housekeeping. Head to thelegendariumpodcast.com. That's where you'll go to vote for your favorite Warcraft review. It's in the post containing this episode. It'll be on the front page. You can't miss it. Then head to imzy.com slash legendarium and join the community there. Comment, interact with us, have a good time, and tip the community. This is how we're asking listeners to support the show, and we're grateful to everyone who does so. Again, imzy.com, I-M-Z-Y dot com slash legendarium. Now, today's contest pits four of us against each other. We did a similar thing with Captain America 3. I put myself first to get it out of the way. The others all did a great job with their reviews, and you're going to want to stick around for those. The uh, the order will be me, Ryan, Ken, and then Jake. Vote for your favorite, and the winner will owe the rest of us pizza. The stakes are high, people. Alright, I'm up first. I'm told I have a reputation as a curmudgeon, so I'm going to start my review of Warcraft differently than I might otherwise. I had fun at this movie. Mostly. I didn't hate the movie, certainly, and I'm not mad at it. No, I'm I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Uh-oh, I only made it 23 words. I think I might have a problem. But okay, let's try this again, starting with the positives. Warcraft is a gorgeous movie and a triumph of CGI technology. It's obvious that the behind-the-scenes people put their heart into it. My worries that the CGI work would pull me out of the story were mercifully unfounded. Speaking of the visuals, it was refreshing to see a fantasy world that looked like, well, a fantasy. The cities sparkled, the forests were green, even the armor gleamed like it had just been pulled off the shelf. Gritty realism has its place, and I generally prefer it, but there's nothing remotely real about Azeroth, and I'm glad the movie played that up. My greatest worry going in was that the story would be a boring finger-wagger of the Pocahontas or Ferngully variety. Thankfully, Jones's team avoided that. The story does a good job of presenting villains and heroes on both sides of the conflict, so there isn't a simple narrative of good guys versus bad guys. Blessedly, it would be difficult to affix a modern political narrative to that of Warcraft. I'm sure that's what the writers were going for, and I'm glad they succeeded. But ultimately, I am who I am, and I should embrace that, so here come the complaints. I have a lot of them, as a matter of fact, but I'll keep them along the lines of what I've already talked about, the visuals and the story. Like I said, the visuals were stunning, which made the scene with the golem all the more jarring. The rest of the movie looks like it was well worth the $160 million price tag. Then came a creature that looked like it belonged in a student film. It took me right out of the story. And speaking of the story, its strength, in a way, turned out to be its downfall. In avoiding a politically simplistic story, the movie ended up packing in too much. Too much of everything. Too many main characters. Too many secondary characters. Too many motivations. Too many locations. When the human knights rode or flew or whatever to their fourth new city in the first ten minutes, I just stopped keeping track. I had high hopes for Warcraft, but I came away disappointed. It was a fun ride, and I might recommend it to fans of the World of Warcraft game, but for the casual viewer like me, it would be too much of a mess. A great-looking mess, but a mess. My hope for the inevitable sequel would be a more focused story that gives me a better chance of knowing just what in the world is going on. Alright, that'll do it for me. Next up is Ryan. I love this one. You guys are going to love it too. Uh, Maybe just vote for him now. Ready to serve. You another three-minute movie review. Now, as a longtime fan of Blizzard Entertainment and both Warcraft and Starcraft video game series, 
The anticipation for this movie had me squeeing like a pair of goblin sappers. Off we go! That'll be a blast! You see, Warcraft 2 was my first foray into RTS gaming, and as such, I have a great love for the world of Azeroth. I'd like to say that having a base in this series helps make this a better film, but it really doesn't. You'll understand a bit more than the guy next to you who had never played, but I'll be honest, it won't help the scattered, drawn-out set of this, this film is meant to be. I very much believe that the production team meetings went a little like this. We're ready, master. I'm not ready. Huh? What? What? Huh? Yes? Now, before I get too hard on the film, I have to say, it was actually a very enjoyable to watch for about three-fourths of the film. It's the final fourth that really kills the ratings. It has a rushed finish with a predictable twist and a number of sacrifices that ring really hollow because they are rushed into existence and explained away really fast. Because a warrior race really loves to honor people who are half-breeds who stab others in the back right before their chief warrior comes to kill them, right? That seems pretty re legit. And uh, why do you let the main character live to fight what is probably the most anticlimactic revenge battle I have ever seen? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition! 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 The musical Orc Horde of Anatevka? I would watch the crap out of that piece, and it would probably make about as much sense as some of the decisions in here. But let's look at this for what it is. A setup for a larger franchise about a war between two races that goes on for a very long time. It's full of flaws in its finish, mainly due to the fact that they have to set up a bunch of storylines, and they didn't do a very good job of that at the start, because they were too busy to make you feel sympathy for the Frostwolf clan and spending time sexualizing a half-orc, half-human. Which, really, where did the human half come from? This is the first time they've come across this race, apparently. Now, I think they could have unloaded a bit of unnecessary story baggage on this by postponing the Frostwolf clan story piece until part two, and just focusing on getting a foothold in Azeroth and letting the players kind of set the chess pieces. You know, finish the film off by killing the king and turning it into a revenge-driven battle or something. I think that really gives them an opportunity to go somewhere, and you could have kept the entire piece into a single uh, story piece. Okay, I've hashed out a couple of issues I've had with the end, but there are some highlights. I personally love the CG in the film. It's bright, it's colorful, and majestic. Now, it's not super realistic, but that's okay. It's extremely fun, and it's consistently the same across the film. Now, I know not everyone loves CG, but this film visually was a ton of fun for me to watch. I also really love the evil magic, the fell. It's a very powerful magic, but it comes at a high cost that drains both the victims and corrupts the user. If it's nicely into the mold of what dark magic generally does. Now, the characters are okay, and the acting is passable for about 85% of the film. So do I recommend that you see this? Well, really only if you've played the video game and can catch a matinee showing. Otherwise, wait until this hits Netflix or Amazon streaming, and then enjoy a good uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 evening with some friends on this one, because it definitely deserves the treatment. Job's done. Alright, let's see what Ken can do to top that one. Generally speaking, with most movies, it's my nature to hate an origin story. Most times, they're horribly told or they're used as a crutch for an unoriginal or poor story. However, Warcraft is one of those very rare movies that could have used more. It suffers from too little origin story. The writers stuff so much information and activity into the very beginning that it just comes across as muddled, chaotic, and confusing. Wheels are put into motion with no time given to explain why things are happening, and the main human players take no time to decide 
decide on a course of action, let alone decide if it's the right one. The story stays pretty faithful to the source material, with some noticeable and glaring exceptions that are sure to make longtime WoW heads at least stop and stare in confusion. Personally, they ticked me off. The origin story from the video game was brilliant. It used well-crafted characters, drama, conflict. It turned a beautiful and engaging story. This movie takes a great story, rips out the guts and substance, chucks it aside, puts in some fluff, and offers up the hollow remains. Overall, if you're a fan, especially if you're a longtime fan of Warcraft, there's much for you to enjoy. The scenes are absolutely gorgeous and look spot-on perfect, Stormwind and Ironforge in particular. There are Easter eggs all over this movie, particularly if you're familiar with World of Warcraft. The characters are epic and legendary, Anduin Lothar, Khadgar, Lane, Wren, Medivh on the Alliance side, on the Horde side, Durotan, Gul'dan, Blackhand the Destroyer, and my personal favorite, Orgrim Doomhammer. Fans nearly universally have fond memories of all of these characters. Unfortunately, the characters are nearly universally miscast, and the dialogue is just awful teenage fanfiction masquerading as a blockbuster script. Throw in a love story that involves the worst character in all of Warcraft and is so unnecessary that it almost makes you angry how much the producers insult the audience's intelligence. Bottom line, if you're a casual fan going to this movie for the story, prepare to be sorely disappointed. If you're a Warcraft lifer, there is plenty for you to reminisce about and enjoy. As for me, I would give it one sword for the dreadful story and two and a half swords for the action and scenery. Split the difference. Call it a generous two swords for Warcraft. Well, geez, Ken, I thought I was supposed to be the grumpy one. All right, now Jake is probably the biggest Warcraft fanboy out of the four of us. Let's see what he thought. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the quick and dirty review of Warcraft the movie. Log into battle.net and queue up for some rated battlegrounds, because we're going to get right into it. My rating system works as so. The movie will be critiqued out of 10 in five categories for a potential score of 50 out of 50, which this movie did not receive. But... It also didn't do as bad as you may think. Visuals and cinematography, 9 out of 10. The animation is remarkable. The evil green energies of the Dark Portal, Gul'dan, and the Fell simultaneously evoke a sense of dread and awe, and they do it on a massive scale. The cities and landscapes are vast and gorgeous. The fights are choreographed to hit hard and feel consequential, and the orcs, while 100% digitally animated and motion capture based, are believable and rendered wonderfully. A couple of strange visual choices are made toward the end, notably in the final battle with Medivh and the Golem, but overall, Warcraft's strength as a movie is a two-sided coin, and the first side of that coin is the visual experience. The second side of that coin is the sound design and music. In this category, the movie can't get much better. Orchestral stings from some of the game series' most iconic themes are combined with an epic score of war drums, tribal woodwinds, foreboding choral chants, and triumphant battle movements, all arranged by renowned Game of Thrones composer Ramin Jawadi. The sound effects and atmosphere accompany the hard-hitting action and spellcasting fantastically. A small ding for the overthinking of the translation system for the orc language, they could have simply spoken English and no one would have questioned it. Storyline, screenplay structure, 6 out of 10. Director Duncan Jones approached this story with the goal of breaking the tired fantasy trope of humans are good guys, monsters are bad guys. He wanted to establish a story where there were relatable heroes on both sides. He accomplishes this to an extent, however, the story as a whole feels scattered and unfocused. It feels inspired, but unexecuted. There are enough Easter eggs, though, to keep me coming back for more. 
Hashtag baby thrall 2K16. Performances and dialogue. 4 out of 10. Lothar, Duratan, Orgrim, and Gul'dan shine in terms of this movie alone, while Cadgar, King Lane, Garona, and Medivh offer cringeworthy and unrelatable portrayals. As an audience member, I was willing to follow Travis Fimmel as Lothar. He allowed his screen presence and charisma to outshine the largely lackluster lines he was given to work with. Loyalty to the series, 8.5 out of 10. Beautiful tributes to beloved locations like Stormwind, Ironforge, Goldshire, and the Dark Portal triggered a wave of nostalgia for me. A cameo by the Polymorph Sheep spell gave longtime fans a giggle, and the weapons, armor, and music do an overall decent job at immersing viewers in the massive and magical world of Warcraft. Total score, 36.5 out of 50, or 73%. Final word, fun summer movie if you aren't expecting Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones-like character development and storytelling. Uh, definitely recommend to hardcore fans of the game, but not to those who are critical of film and narrative as an art. Personally, I'm looking forward to see what they do with the sequels. What's next? Monks and Pandas? All right, there you have it. Again, the order of that was Craig, Ryan, Ken, and then Jake. Go vote for your favorite at thelegendariumpodcast.com. We've got a poll up on the post containing this episode. And be sure to let us know what you thought in the comments if you agree or disagree. I know a lot of people really loved this movie. Uh, And so let us know what you saw in it that we didn't. Uh, Anyway, we will see you guys again in about uh, a week or two. I think next up is The Silmarillion again, diving back into Tolkien. See you then. See you then.